0: Welcome to The Source Wall with Amy and Allie, a podcast dedicated to our favorite adaptations across all media and genres.
1: This is the second part of our Batman series, wherein I talk a lot about Michelle Pfeiffer. with this movie it looks cheap as hell Hmm. okay it looks when when max is in the cemetery i feel like there's a scene where max is in the cemetery and it looks like all of those paper mache gravestones are going to fall over right my heart broke in a million pieces now of course this is my 12th viewing of the movie or whatever right But when I was old enough to sort of stop looking at everybody's face, because that's me anyway. I always look at just faces. Mm -hmm. Um, When I started looking around and to note the huge production value drop between the two movies. Yeah.
0: It hurt. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm -mm. Because the amount, again, we talked about it already. The amount of money the first one raked in. Right. Is outrageous.
1: Including the merchandising. Yes.
0: They could have spent a fortune Mm-hmm. on this movie if they but why to. didn't they i don't know
1: i don't know either and it's just hurtful it is um fortunately they make up for it with really great cast an interesting story it's a little cheesier it is than cheesier. the first one
0: um i i don't like <laughs> I, I i think it it is much more comic and much more campy it kind of plays up the camp like max shrek his just his hair alone is just comic <laughs> yeah, book. It's, no, it's I got you.
1: Mm. Yeah. So it's really interesting, right? Like we we always talk about, oh, you know, too many villains, too many villains ruin everything. Too many villains ruin Spider Man three. Too many villains ruin the Schumacher movies or whatever. This movie has three villains. Right.
0: Three villains, and they all work.
1: They all work. Yeah. It's a good balance.
0: Mm-hmm. And even like the first Nolan movie has three, at least three villains. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not like it's unheard of. And if it's done right, if it's balanced out correctly. Right. And so that's, it's that's just, the issue. Yeah. It's really all about how you use them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just... Ugh. Okay. Does anybody else... Anybody else watch that movie? And when you see Max Shrek's son get pulled in with the uh, penguin... And who else, does anybody else here think Don Jr. immediately? <laughs> or is it just me?
1: <laughs> I did not, but it's been a while since I've watched it.
0: He is Don, he is Don Jr. Like that character is Don Jr. A hundred percent. Oh, wow. Yeah. Watch it again. <laughs> it's Donald Trump Jr.
1: So Max Track is Donald Trump. Is that what you're saying?
0: No, Donald Trump is far more evil and gross and everything. <laughs> but there's there's you could you could make an argument well that i
1: mean donald trump in the, late, in, er, the early 90s at this yeah point, in we the early 92. 90s
0: i i would have to, i would be amazed if max Shrek is not supposed to be I, if the two of them are not supposed to be the trumps it would be very surprising to me if they weren't
1: i mean so it's the early 90s we're going to be seeing a lot more corporate villains in everything right yes, so the 80s true. were you know the the money-making men were the good guys mm-hmm Except we recognize that, you know, this sort of nature of capitalism and the nature of these people will have and we will have not, um, then turn them into the bad guys. And they've basically been the bad guys ever since. Leverage is an entire television show based around the idea that, like, the little guy should be winning every single time. Yeah. And so you have this this businessman, Max Shrek. And then you have the Penguin, mm-hmm. who's an interesting character oswald cobblepot yeah and ah
0: so disgusting like everything (laughs) about that portrayal the makeup everything about it is so gross like so much more so than it ever was prior to that and i like that at least when it got back to the animated series they kept some of the grotesque Mm -hmm. but not nearly to the extent that movie did danny devito's portrayal in that is grotesque is the only word i can think of yes
1: and so it does seem very burton-esque right to have this character but it's an interesting character like i think that people overlook that particular version of the penguin a lot except for how he looked and the fact that danny devito played him right this character is he he should have been one of the elite right like he, right. he came from money he was it, a deformed child in a society that could not handle deformity
0: Wee herman was his dad
1: just,
0: <laughs> i just need to throw that in there that um yeah because again tim burton using you know just tapping that well insert <laughs> with certain actors and yeah so his dad was uh paul rubens but and
1: isn't paul oh, rubens on gotham too or he was yeah he yeah. was yeah. yeah so so you have this 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 guy who, I guess, was raised by penguins instead? Right. <laughs> what just happened here? Yeah. Whatever. Okay, it doesn't matter. So you have, you have this society that cannot handle this level of wealth, right? This, this part of the society that can't handle having a deformed child. Right. Which sets the movie older. Like, it mm-hmm. makes it feel more dated. Yes. But then you've got... This very then you've got Catwoman who is the sort of this quintessential late eighties early nineties woman, mm-hmm. and it, it just everything is so yeah. disjointed in a way that the first movie blended all these time periods together. This one is just disjointed and out of time in a way that's not conducive to the story.
0: No, and I mean again, I just need to pause and go back to yeah, why are there is there this huge rat like population of penguins in <laughs> Gotham. What what is what is that even about? It's
1: an east coast city. We don't have penguins. There,
0: there's no penguins here. They're just just they're not they're, and they're not no. indigenous to Like did
1: they escape Gotham. from a zoo? Maybe. Did you did you watch it recently or no? No, I have not I, I, watched you know this in what? a long time. Never I'm mind. not a big fan. And we don't need to, right? Because right. so much of it we watched a bunch when we were kids, right? Mm-hmm. Or younger. And so much of it sticks good and bad right so one of my complaints um is the cheapness right somebody uh someone i used to date their complaint was the batmobile how it like just knocks off parts of itself yeah. to get through the thin wall it's it's nonsense. All of it is nonsense in a way that the first movie had no nonsense whatsoever. Right.
0: Yeah, the first movie is very serious. It's very dark and brooding. It's it, stylized but still serious. This certainly pushes the camp up to a to a different level.
1: And and to no good end. There's right. there's only as far as I'm concerned one huge redeeming Point to this movie, and that is Catwoman. That's a pretty famous story. It is a
0: pretty famous story. I mean, Sean Young, mm-hmm. that uh, stalked Tim Burton for a while, really wanted that role. That was a very odd thing that happened. Broke onto the Warner Brothers set, dressed in a cat suit, trying to convince him that uh, she would be the best person for the role. That in itself is a strange thing. Yeah, you know, um, Michelle Pfeiffer to get the role, who I think at times is really good. There are points where she is a bit cartoonish and over the top, but. For example, the the scene when she and Bruce Wayne are dancing together, and she's not Catwoman; she is Selena Kyle, Selena Kyle. and she pulls out the gun because she's going to murder Max Shrek at this mm-hmm. charity event. It is it's really good. It's very serious. It's not played with any humor mm-hmm. at all. She is excellent at that moment and i think it's things like that that definitely redeem it and make it more interesting
1: right so in the midst of this odd campy underproduced movie you have this one storyline that is fantastic which is the origin story of selena kyle here is this woman who can't get ahead in business because she is in a particular role and a woman Mm -hmm. and you know in the Eight, late 80s and the early 90s this was a very big kind of a thing going on in terms of women in the workplace what did it mean for them what did it make them who were they can we push back against this but fortunately
0: here's... it's all better now oh, yeah though. no completely solved
1: everything's totally different now but so that's the other problem though her work issues kind of like the way that Max Shrek treats her kind of puts her less in the 80s and not in the 30s, somewhere in the 50s and the 60s. Yeah, it, it kind of has. Maybe the that 70s. Sort, yeah, maybe
0: 70s. I'll go with like nine to five. Yeah. Sort of, you know, Max Shrek has that sort of Mr. Hart from nine to five yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, or maybe even now more somebody like you would expect to see in like Mad Men.
1: Right. So, So you have this character. She is possibly good at her job. But personally, and sort of professionally, still very uh, haphazard in certain ways. You know, she doesn't dress the way that everybody wants her to. She doesn't act the way. she's. She forgets things. She drops things.
0: She, she has that ditzy blonde kind yes, of thing but, going but on. Yes, but
1: less ditzy, more scattered.
0: Scatterbrain, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it.
1: And, but she still has, like, she's sort of, she's she's a stereotype of, of a secretary with everything put on her, mm-hmm. right? And... Everything's put. Everything is put upon her, and she is meant to juggle what is essentially his job. Yeah. So that he can stand around and be a guy who makes a lot of money. Right. And so she's struggling under the weight of all this, um, which makes her look incompetent, even though she is not. Right. In fact, she is actually good at her job. She just has the appearance of incompetence because of these other sort of her inability to, to be forthright and forward and assertive in a way that was not really a thing that women were supposed to be in this imaginary time period of possibly 1930s to 1980s. Yes. And so she ends up seeing something she shouldn't have seen. Mm -hmm. She gets killed and you can't see my air quotes, but they're there. Yeah. She gets killed and revived by cats.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which it, it is kind of, it's a bit nebulous.
1: It, it's very interesting because it could go either way. Right. But like she should be broken. She absolutely. Sh- yeah. And the cats don't like glow with magical powers or anything like that. It's just, it is what it is. She is surrounded by cats. And then when she gets up, she seems to be slightly more human than she was before. Right. Which is weird.
0: Aggressive and more confident, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, which she immediately reflects when she shows up at work and you can see the Christopher walk in, you know, Max Schreck, completely shocked to see her, but she acts as if she doesn't remember what's going on and, mm-hmm. but still there's an obvious personality shift right. is noticeable immediately.
1: So here's the thing, and this isn't even what I really wanted to get into, which is that her character is the, um, the sort of, head-to-head issue of of late 80s early 90s feminism beyond that so she's basically the joker Mm -hmm. she has a near-death experience that makes her a little crazy right (laughs) (laughs) and sociopathic and she's the best character in the the whole movie (laughs) yeah absolutely um so she but so Like, it it just occurred to me that these two characters basically have exactly the same arc, except that she is not willing to embrace as much of that as the Joker was. And so she straddles that line of anti-hero hero hero, and becomes the Catwoman that we are all fairly familiar with or whatever. But to me, the thing that I was always drawn in by is this concept of her basically cracking under feminism. Hmm. That it, it, it... Not feminism, but how feminism is treated by the men in her life. Right. That there is no way to be all of the things that the 80s wanted a woman to be without cracking. Yeah, absolutely. There is no place for sanity in a world that asks you to be multiple things all the time. Right. And that's who she is. That's the entirety of her character is this woman who cannot bear the weight of that anymore and what happens when you have that and you've cracked when you've become the assertive person that everybody wants you to be now you're too assertive exactly yeah and there's no there's no place for sanity in that there is no place for sanity in um in a world that has decided that equality is being both all of the gender roles of women and all of the gender roles of men at the same time. Yeah. So for me, going back and watching this movie, probably a little over a decade after it came out, right? I'm I'm in a different place. I have a child. I have a live-in partner and all these other things. I'm watching this movie and I'm just absolutely fascinated by this character. And... How she can't handle this burden because it is an unhandleable burden. Yes. Does Tim Burton mean all this in his story? Uh, no. Uh, I'm yeah. going to go with no. Absolutely not. He has no idea what he's done. That's what I think. Hmm. And I've never seen anything to the contrary. I've never ta- seen him talk in an interview about, um, about Catwoman being sort of a response to the woman who has it all. Right. And that's really what I think that she is. Meanwhile, she's got to carry the weight of these iconic actresses on her shoulder.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. So we right. have what are we gonna, Eartha, Eartha Kitt, Kit. uh, Lee Mayweather.
1: Lee Merriweather.
0: Merryweather, thank you.
1: And Julie Newmar.
0: Yes, Julie Newmar.
1: And so, like most people kind of forget Lee Merriweather because Julie Newmar really played up the sexy... Um. Sort of bantery Catwoman that we think of in terms of how she relates to Batman. Eartha Kitt played up the sexy, but it was a little bit more removed and untouchable, which I think is actually an aspect of racism.
0: Yeah, probably. I, but like, she was—I still think it was pretty bold to have her in that uh, role at yes. all. Yes, to, and well,
1: I mean, to—I mean, she's obviously like the—you know—she's a sex kitten. That's like the whole joke yeah. of Catwoman. She's a sex kitten. Mm-hmm. And so you have this character of Catwoman in this 90s movie who has already gone through the paces of having to be a working woman and a love interest and all this other thing. On top of that, she's got to be sexy and she's got to be, you know, in love and she's got to be worthy of his attention and affection and be saved by him and all these other things. She has to be everything. Yeah. And I think that Michelle Pfeiffer plays sort of the manic nature of that Catwoman really well the sort of straddling of the line between uh, sanity and insanity right in a way that we probably couldn't pull off now
0: now definitely not.
1: absolutely not because we would find it too anti-feminist but at the time
0: it was perfectly fitting for the time it absolutely. was
1: perfectly fitting for the time and i still think it's incredibly reflective of what was going on and we don't even really notice it because it's really subtext and it might even be subtext that's not even meant by a male creator.
0: Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Probably just incidental if anything.
1: Also that dance scene is wonderful.
0: The dance scene is wonderful. Susie
1: Sue in the background. Oh god, that song. I my Pandora plays it every once in a while and i'm just like, "Ooh." Yeah.
0: The only other thing I was going to talk about is that she actually did put that live bird in her mouth. but
1: <gasps> Okay, so, <laughs> I mean, but all right, so let's talk for like two seconds because we did this with Scott Pilgrim. What would it have been like if Sean Young had portrayed that character? I think it would have been much more over the top. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how she would have done in the secretarial stuff.
0: Uh, it's interesting. I, I never really thought about it. it. It would be an interesting exercise. I still think that, I believe that Sean Young got a bad rap all the way around. I think that that had much more... I think she is a good example of a person who... I don't think what she did was that out of line for a Hollywood actress. I think she had a bad reputation because of the way... I think she was treated like shit by actors before and i think she had bad relationships with other people and that she was kind of blacklisted in a mm-hmm. way that hurt her career very much right and it's very so, so unfortunate was just
1: part of the you know the, the narrative yeah absolutely of the crazy actress whereas you know if a guy comes in and, and is in character
0: right You then, they would then they're like oh my god him
1: right away absolutely yeah, that,
0: that's exactly and i think that that's something that a male actor could have done that and people would have been like, wow, that's so impressive. Did you hear this great story about what he did to get that role? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there there are things that that just did not happen for her. And I think it's unfortunate.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, she did struggle with mental illness, right? Like that was part of that. Like later she was talking about something about that. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? (laughs) You can, you can tell where, where our our hearts are really is the first movie. not The second movie. Very much. It it Um, just goes downhill from the first movie. It does.
0: Um, Moving on from here, I I think, well, to wrap up on this movie, I didn't like this one nearly as much as the first Mm -hmm. one. I still think it's, it's pretty good and it has some highlights. Uh, But I do agree that, Catwoman is by far the best part of that. Movie. Oh,
1: absolutely! And this—I mean, Vicky Vale is just basically tossed away in a line. One line, yeah. One line. It's yep. like, oh, what happened to her? Oh, she's doing her thing. Whatever. Yeah. She couldn't handle it. And and in in the uh, comic book, you had uh, Silver Saint Cloud who couldn't handle when she found out right. that Batman was Bruce Wayne and all this other stuff. Vicky Vale was like a Pulitzer Prize winning war journalist yeah like a photojournalist who went into war zones she couldn't handle her boyfriend fighting people at night
0: yeah it doesn't make a whole lot of sense not to mention the fact that um i still don't understand the need to reveal batman like in, oh, in, in god that, no. that's, i mean he he had one date with vicky Vale, and then alfred basically
1: outs him yeah outs him
0: <laughs> without consent be clear. He just brings her into the Batcave and suggests that he marry her after one date. It's so ridiculous when you think about it. But
1: does he say marry? I, I feel believe like he, just he says does. Says
0: you, I believe at you one need... point he says you should marry that girl. I'm not positive, but I kind of oh, remember it.
1: Alfred, what are you thinking? No. I mean, this idea that so Alfred is a great character. Yes. Alfred is a wonderful character, and. It, through the different versions he has primarily, until you get to Gotham, has been primarily a stabilizing influence. Right. Right. So this concept that what he is trying to do is basically kill the Batman, mm-hmm. which is totally understandable and it plays out through the through the animated series. You know, he's he's not going to actively get in who is essentially his boss's way. Right. But he will say... He will assert, he will create scenarios where Batman has to look at his own Batmanness and decide whether or not that's a thing he wants to do. And that is a thing that happens in that movie that is hard. Like, what gives you the right? Yeah. After one date. You don't know this woman. She's blonde. She's pretty. She's talented and, you know, well-respected in her career.
0: But also known to be... She's she's a reporter. She's a photographer and a journalist. So, yeah, let's just out let's just Batman her. to her. Like, what, what the hell?
1: At least with uh, Bruce and Selina, it is an honest mistake. Yes. Where they both have been being Bruce and Selena and Catwoman and, and Batman together
0: so when they dance together so, at that yeah. scene yeah it just it becomes obvious to both of them and they, well he recognizes that she is does she recognize him there or is that later because he pulls off the mask underground after they kill the penguin and Max Shrek ever the brilliant man that he is is like Bruce Wayne why are you dressed up like Batman <laughs> because he is Batman you <gasps> I idiot feel-
1: oh. Christopher Walken did not get what was going on in that
0: movie. I I agree. I don't think he fully. um...
1: And I don't blame him. Because if you would watch the first movie and you come onto this cartoony set, what do yeah. you do with like all the, the penguins carnival people?
0: Right. It's.
1: Which just felt to me the like. The giant
0: rubber ducky boat. I mean.
1: <laughs> okay. I love the giant rubber ducky boat. I want a giant rubber ducky boat. Okay. If it weren't for the fact that getting on a duck boat is incredibly dangerous, I would totally live on a duck boat. Well, you can do it in my backyard one day. Awesome. Okay. Um, so he walks into this movie, this set, knowing the first movie. Knowing the tone and the style and everything like that. And he's surrounded by these rubber ducks and the the carnival people, which honestly, the carnival people thing really felt like Burton felt that he lost an opportunity to have Joker have a more over the top. Yeah, like,
0: agreed. Group Those... of
1: minions. Yeah, that... And so what does he do with that? I don't know. He just kind of decides to Christopher Walken his way through the whole thing. And I don't think it does the character any service. No, not really. Awful. No. In fact, between my first, my childhood viewings, multiple viewings of Batman Returns and my adult viewing of Batman Returns, I'd completely forgotten that Max Trek was a character. Yeah. It, and he's... that Christopher Walken was in it at all. I don't even think I knew who Christopher Walken was then, so it was very confusing. Mm.
0: Yeah, he was very, uh, he wasn't, it's a, it's a very forgettable character yes absolutely and i just think that what it really it didn't bring anything to the movie it it was not necessary
1: it was catwoman's nemesis that's really all it is right
0: and then you have the penguin story which as i said trying to even watch that it's just grotesque is the only word i can think of to describe it and it just bothers me i have trouble watching it i don't
1: think that that's i don't think that's necessarily a problem to me like there's a lot of stuff going on with Danny DeVito's character, the way he portrays the character as someone who, if not for certain circumstances, could have been a good person. Could have been. And, and sees himself as the, the downtrodden hero of his own story which is good
0: yes yeah but he also bites a man's nose off he
1: also does that but this idea that he was basically a feral human being
0: yeah yeah
1: so i mean you know like he tries he runs for mayor or something yeah
0: he runs for mayor he you know they try to improve his image um but yeah i don't know i just i feel like there's always like he's always drooling like black goo out of his mouth and everything that doesn't make any sense yeah it's just like a
1: deformed child is one thing and it and you can sort of pull that off yeah except for the being raised by penguins thing it's just i still don't get that
0: nope okay so i don't think i have too much more to say on this movie
1: there's not a lot to say about it it is unfortunately a fairly forgettable movie other than certain highlights of i mean it does have tim burton's style without the ability for Tim Burton to sort of manifest his style in a way that doesn't look super cheap.
0: Yeah. I kind of feel as if to me, it almost seemed like he did the first Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a great quote. Cause there was a point where he was feuding with Kevin Smith and part of it had to do with the fact that I believe the ending of his planet of the apes was something that was in a Jay and silent Bob. Before that, uh, one of the Jane Silent Bob comments, comics. And a reporter questioned him on this. And Tim Burton's response was, I don't read comics, so I wouldn't know what Kevin Smith did. And the reporter replied back, Oh, you don't read comics. That explains Batman Returns, <laughs> <laughs> which is just oh, an amazing burn. Just, it's the perfect burn. Yes. And so I just feel like he did the first movie. Because it was something, it was an exciting, fun, different thing to do, and I just don't think he really cared to do the second one. No. I believe he was contractually obligated to do it, but, but he was I already moved on. I know
1: they put a ton of mo- movie uh, money behind that movie, so what happened? Where he did just the didn't money care. go? Just to Michael Keaton?
0: I guess. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, you know, I mean, you had a big cast, so yeah. maybe that's part of it.
1: Weird. Ah, it's awful. So, so. so. Let's let's just review highlights, lowlights, whatever. The what about it as an adaptation worked, and what about it as an adaptation didn't work.
0: We're talking about the second one.
1: We're talking about just the second one.
0: I think it. I don't think it fit in with the first movie enough. I think it was too campy. So I think the first one set up a dark, gritty, um, gothic kind of image, and the second one just started to go into almost parody territory of the first one. Right. So I don't think it really fulfilled what it... What the I think it, there, there was a lot of ways to do a more serious sequel to the first one. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's what this is.
1: Right. So what we're really talking about here is a bad sequel. Not yes. necessarily a bad adaptation. Because if this movie had been his first movie, his first Batman, his only Batman movie, right? Right. If that's what he had put forth, I think it would have been an interesting way to go in response to the 60s show
0: agreed yeah it's not a bad movie no it's just
1: michelle pfeiffer really saves a lot of it yeah michael keaton
0: michael keaton is still very good in it it just does not live up to what the first one did
1: when when people talk about their batman being michael keaton it's so interesting right because he is not the person and it's not the portrayal of Batman that even hits that sort of level of iconic what we think of with Batman. Right. Um, And yet there's something about the seriousness that he brings to the character, the quietness that he brings, the pain over his parents' death that I think makes it um, an amazing and unique portrayal of Batman.
0: Yeah, I I do think he does well. I think he makes a good Batman. I think he is he's very quiet he's sort of um stoic in a way mm-hmm. more so he's not crazy violent isn't at least not as much as he can be portrayed in other situations mm-hmm. so i don't think he's i think it, it's a it's an interesting portrayal
1: yeah and that's really all we can say about it yeah i mean michael keaton good michelle pfeiffer good penguin gross burton-esque and grotesque and at least sort of captivating when he's on the screen it's interesting to see and wonder what he'll do next as a character
0: yeah and then max Shrek to me is oh, he waste. might as well have been in the 60s tv show yeah the with that hair the hair the pinstripe suit mm-hmm. he's just he's kind of a joke he's a yeah. caricature right from the 60s okay. okay moving on uh all the joel schumacher movies were crap okay next <laughs>
1: You don't have anything to say otherwise? No, I
0: I, I do, I do. I know you Um, do. You mean besides the fact that they are raging garbage fires?
1: I mean about the fact that they are raging garbage fires.
0: I heard an interesting, I read an interesting fan theory, which I thought was kind of cool, was this concept of the Tim Burton movies being in a certain universe in a certain continuity Mm -hmm. and the two Joel Schumacher movies being movies about the real life batman within that universe and that's why they're so much campier and sillier because they are almost as if it because it takes place in the same continuity but it's supposed but imagine it as these are the 60s campy movies about the real life batman who was michael keaton mm-hmm. it's terrible it's a weird thing but <laughs> I, I, I think strange. it's funny. i
1: don't think i quite followed that but so Let's take them together because honestly, there's not going to be a lot that we're going to say. They're not good movies.
0: They're not good movies.
1: They don't hit any of the emotional weight of the original movies. No. They are chock full of unnecessary villains, unnecessary characters, um, actors who have probably been miscast.
0: Yeah. Robin Williams getting screwed over again because he was now after getting screwed over for the Joker, he was supposed to be the Riddler and then they... Changed it to Jim Carrey. Okay,
1: but Jim Carrey in that suit. Yeah. Oh, he looks great. uh, He looks great. (laughs) Yeah, he looks great. And a lot of this stuff looks pretty good.
0: All the neon and the bright colors and stuff to me were just weird. Mm -hmm. Um, I so starting. Let's start with the first one. Um, Val Kilmer.
1: Right. So I was interested to see Val Kilmer agreed as, as Batman. I was when they said, okay, we're we're recasting michael keaton i'm like well you've screwed yourself over yeah well how old was i like 15 no Mm -hmm. i must have been like 16 or 17 um but then they said val kilmer and i'm like well because i think he's great oh god that poor man was so underrated for a chunk of time after having done such great things when he was younger yeah that when he came sort of did this he did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Robert Downey Jr. which mm-hmm. is an amazing hilarious movie and he's so good in it. Hmm. And now I'm afraid to go back and look at Batman because I hate that movie. I hate it.
0: I think he's in a way doing almost a bad Adam West impression in mm-hmm. that movie. It's kind of how I see it. Mm-hmm. And it's not Also, let's let's be very clear Chris O'Donnell Way too old to be Robin,
1: and that's what I talk about when I talk about the the poor casting choices. Yeah, he, like, he's he, he's a a cute guy who who can't really pull off like holy whatever Batman. Yeah, but
0: the fact that they and, act as if. They act as if he's this orphaned kid. Mm-hmm. And it's he's like, he's obviously he, like a 26 year <laughs> old yeah, dude. You are an adult. You could go get your own apartment. You do not <laughs> have to live with Batman. Uh, when he goes and tries to drive away with a motorcycle or whatever, it's the whole thing is just silly. And then he gets into the again. And once again, Alfred outing Batman without consent uh. just lets him into the Batcave. Um, though that does lead to the funny line where he's like, he took the car and. Uh, falcon was like he took the roles no the other car that is it's, funny. it's a pretty good line there yeah, um I, 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 and then he fights those car that cartoonish gang in all the neon colors i and literally
1: don't remember let me, it's, let it's me tell you about my experience going to see which one was that called
0: batman is it batman and
1: robin no like we don't even know no, it's it's
0: uh batman forever
1: forever right like, i don't even know the name of the movie right like that's how much mm-hmm. i don't care so i had started going home after school and watching batman the animated series mm-hmm. which had been on for probably what like two years three years a few years at that point at yeah. that point they had done an episode about robin's origin story right I cried. It was
0: a two-parter. It was so good. It It was was brilliant. Yeah.
1: I now you have to understand me around that age. I was walking around sort of with a shell around me and was kind of like, "Hey, I'm a badass," or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like you can hear me like tear up when I talk about Dwayne McDuffie. You can. And these are all things that happened sort of during my pregnancy that just kind of stuck. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I cried everything now. When I was that age, nothing affected me. Almost nothing. That episode killed me. Yeah, and to go into a theater and watch them try to reenact that in those stupid costumes with that half-ass director who did not seem to really get or care what was going on. Yeah, or 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 who he had been following. Mm -hmm. Right, like he didn't take any of the the Burton stuff really. No,
0: it it was
1: like there's there's some sort of bare continuity there, but whatever. I... Alfred
0: is, pro- well, Alfred stays the same throughout all these movies, right. which is one small bit of continuity. Yeah. But again, they recast Harvey Dent was Billy D. Williams. Yes. Now he's Tommy Lee Jones.
1: Uh, that's okay. Sure. Yeah. So, so I go to the theater with my friend and I'm sitting behind this little kid and I'm a jaded teenager at this point. I'm watching the screen this is supposed to be an intense emotional moment when robin's parents die right you know they are trapeze artists we know that that everything has been tampered with we know they're going to die there was something just cheesy yeah about it and i couldn't help it i was watching it i'm in the theater i'm sitting there and this like laugh bursts out of me because it's so bad right i should be crying and i am not crying my friend looks at me in horror because the little kid in front of me turned around and was like eh. like Aww. i just laughed at somebody dying and he didn't understand why right but little dude if you're out there and you're probably about 35 now let me explain something to you. (laughs) We should have been crying. I should have been crying because if somebody who, who is, was at the time barely affected. Like I was affected emotionally, but crying was not a thing I did. I should have been crying. And to not cry was absurd. It meant he was Schumacher was failing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I don't understand why he got another movie after that, after that movie. Um, there were there were so many things that were bad about it. The Jim Carrey is charismatic and interesting and fun in that role, but the and there are some moments that I like. But overall, I feel that he just he being Joel Schuma, Schumacher mm-hmm. missed so much of what these these movies could have been. Yeah. Um, it regressed us. Yeah, it really did. Uh, and so I don't have too much more to say than that uh, other than complete agreement that that moment with uh, Robin's parents dying should have, his family dying should have been emotional and powerful and it wasn't it and was not. yeah and it was reduced to because he's obviously very okay with it quickly once he's in Wayne Manor he's just off to being whoever he's gonna to be sure. and all it does is lead to a few bad jokes like well, the joke about the the other car is pretty good, yeah. and then when he goes to steal the motorcycle, and Bruce says to him, "Oh, I thought you'd be halfway to Metropolis by now." The only that was when we first actually <laughs> got, "Hey, continuity," Yay! which was kind of cool. But outside of that, other than
1: that, no. Yeah. And so,
0: Tommy Lee Jones was ugh. so over the top. Um, I did. Uh,
1: So if you take this as a version of the 60s movies, I'm sure it's entertaining or whatever. But you know what? It took me the amount of time that we have been recording to remember the name of the woman. Yeah. Chase Meridian? Or was that the next movie? No, that was her. She was named after a bank. Yeah. She did not exist in the comics. Why not just pull out Silver St. Cloud? Right. Like, and we had to have a different woman every single time, right? Because she's not in the next movie. No, she's not. And I think she figured out who Batman was, too. Like, and who was she? She was just this random woman. Yeah. Like, I don't remember her having anything to do with the plot, really.
0: Not really. Like, again. she was a
1: psychologist? Was that her?
0: Yeah, she was. Yeah, she God, was a therapist.
1: Like, this is... Oh, cool. So, like, if we were talking about the Burton Batman, this would be a perfect character. Not to mention, a really great way to introduce Harley Quinn.
0: Yeah. Well, right. And that could have been... Yeah, that could... Oh, Wow, that would that could have actually done something great, right? Because yeah. if
1: you're talking about a Batman who historically has been just basically a broken child with PTSD, right? A therapist character would have been amazing. Yeah, as it is, I can barely remember her. And why was she named after a bank? Did they pay to have the character named after her? Probably. Didn't they have the little bat um, credit card? Or is that in the that's in the fourth?
0: Movie, that's in the next one, yeah. which.
1: Okay, look, we're obviously talking about camp at this point. Mm -hmm. Joel Schumacher does camp. Also, I don't think he did a lot of things for the gays either. You know what I mean? Mm. Like this whole, like he came in and he's like, hey, I'm gay and I'm making the Batman movie. And now we're going to make these movies that fail. Oh, cool. So gay people fail.
0: (laughs) Um, I'm not even going to touch this um, topic. Uh, yeah, so I just think it, it was another failure. Once again, I think he, you know, in this one at least, Batman tries to out himself a couple times, where he does try to out himself to her, and then you know, at the at the last minute, I forget what happens. She gets kidnapped or something, so he doesn't, and then when
1: oh yeah, God, it, I literally don't think I've seen that movie enough since to it remember. Came out in the theater. Yeah,
0: and then later there's a scene at a where. I want to say it was two, it was Two-Face asks a crowd of people. I think they're at, like, the theater, or maybe they are at a circus. I don't remember where they Everybody's are. Everybody's at a circus. Yeah, right. yeah. And asks for Batman to to, to out himself, basically. Mm-hmm. And, of course, at that, and then Bruce Wayne again tries to, and he keeps yelling out to the crowd, I'm Batman. But there's so yes. many people cheering and yelling over top of him that nobody hears him. Right. Um yeah, which is an interesting moment. I thought that actually was not bad. Yeah. That, that no, part was, no, wasn't bad. No, all
1: this is coming back to me, but like ultimately... It's we're so, so And what happened was, and we'll, you know, we're going to get to this if we have time for this part, but if not, probably the next part because we're going to have so much to say about it as Batman the Animated Series happened. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why Schumacher couldn't pull off camp at that point was because so much of the target audience was this group of people these kids who were going home at the end of the day and watching Batman the animated series which was still going on at the time which would continue on in different uh versions but would still be the same writers the same yeah. some of the same animators etc for another 10 years right it went
0: on for a long time um so
1: let, let's just let's let's just go to the next movie knock it out i don't remember a bit of it i remember thinking hey you know what i liked george clooney in er yeah. but he's got a very distinctive chin
0: yeah and actually the odd <laughs> thing is though i think that he could pull off the billionaire playboy mm-hmm. character the the very well i think that, that that made him an interesting choice and i think the strong jawline that he has or you know the chin it is distinctive enough that it's hard not to recognize. Hey, that's if you knew Bruce Wayne, its the bat mask is not right. concealing like, oh, hey, I, I can clearly see that that's you. Um but I like George Clooney as well. I think he's done some really good things and I thought he was an interesting choice. He did his best. <laughs> he did his best. There is the one scene when they believe Alfred is dying, mm-hmm. when he sits there and he has this kind of heart to heart conversation with Alfred, which is very very good. It's the whole plot line is terrible, but seeing him try to console um, Alfred and try to just have a real heart to heart conversation with him, it, it's excellently written. It's excellently it's it's well written. It's well directed and it's well acted all the way through. That is the only moment in that movie that it gives any redeeming quality whatsoever. Arnold Schwarzenegger is ridiculous. Um, and you talk about with the animated series, again, one of the other great oh. episodes of the animated series is that origin story for mr freeze mm-hmm. um i think it's called heart of ice yeah heart of ice,
1: this heart, of say ice. heart of cold yeah. like i was trying to say Heart right. of Gold. yeah but.
0: one of probably one of the best if not the best episodes of that entire series that's, and that's saying something yeah it's so and and you get this sympathy for this character and i don't think there's anyone who can watch that and think if i were him i'd be doing the same thing mm-hmm. and the fact that they took that origin story from because i don't think that was from the comics i think that was very specific i don't think mr freeze had that kind of yes. uh, that origin yes. story so that was an original something from the animated series to take that concept and then just turn it into this awful joke it's in just a,
1: a bunch of puns yeah That's exactly all it's all it is
0: it's terrible That's and it's a shame i remember so same thing as with uh, as you said the the origin of robin mr freeze's origin here is just sad it it doesn't work, and not sad in a good way. Not I mean, sad just in a good way. like it pathetic, should be sad in a good way, and it's not.
1: And and then so I had a big crush on Alicia Silverstone, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to see it, and I still couldn't bring myself to care.
0: Yeah, and they they. The fact that they rewrote her instead of being uh, Barbara Gordon, now she was Alfred's Alfred's niece. niece, Like, what the, like, What is the
1: point of that? (laughs) There is no reason for that. Yeah, none whatsoever. That's because who was Commissioner Gordon in those movies? Nobody, yeah. Nobody. Exactly. Like, if he was somebody, I couldn't tell you anymore. Yeah. And I never could. And then, so then. Pat Hingle,
0: by the way, that's the actor's name. Yes. Just so you know.
1: No, and and Pat Hingle
0: Stupid trivia. Like, Amy has stuck in her head forever for no good reason <laughs> whatsoever.
1: But, I mean, like, there was nothing wrong with Pat Hingle.
0: No, just the character was not well-written.
1: Right, exactly. Such, there a, was such
0: a waste. Yeah, complete waste.
1: And and so then you have, what, Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. Yeah. A character who has so much nuance on the show.
0: Mm-hmm. And... Bane, which is completely... Oh, this, yeah, Bane's in there. Which there's... Which is now he's a creation of Poison Ivy, yeah. which doesn't make any sense. Oh my God, I've sense. completely
1: forgotten about that. Bane's origin story, not in the show, although I think they sort of touch on it in the show, but in the comics, it's yeah. really heartbreaking. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. It, like He he is a, he is, you know, he's a, a child in a war-torn country. hmm His mother is imprisoned. Mm-hmm probably i think for going against the government for just being a a teen revolutionary basically right and i believe he's the probably the product of rape he's born in in prison in prison or maybe he's not the product of rape but i mean if you were going to tweak you know if you're going to mess with bane's origin the, the, there's room in there for all of these things right all of this violence and horror and all he has growing up in this prison is a teddy bear yeah somebody gives him a teddy bear
0: and i believe he now he was also i think one of his storylines is also that he is actually just very afraid of bats because bats existed in in the prison is that am i remembering this incorrectly
1: i don't remember that part hmm. I remember the
0: there there was marriage. something very specific about why he wanted to hurt Batman and I thought that it had something to do with he had the same well, fear of bats as Batman did but on on a different, on a different level, level for a different I, reason I
1: think you're right um, there's a lot in the comics in terms of sort of machismo yeah because he is you know he is a Latino character there's this concept that played through the early versions of the character in the comics or I don't know how early they were, but around the time that I was really interested in it, um, which is that he, he's intelligent and he is brutal because he is the product of a brutal upbringing. Yeah. And he wants to defeat Batman, not as, you know, some super villain, but as a man, here's this man who can fight. I want to fight him. I want to, I want to break the bat.
0: Right. Okay. um, yeah, so all, all all in all, this movie... Bad. Sucks. One last moment I will say that was pretty funny is when Chris O'Donnell is... Well, when Robin, being Dick Grayson, is under Poison Ivy's spell, where she's given him mm. the pheromones and he's kind Thrall. of become obsessed with her. And there's a part where he and Bruce are arguing with each other and... Bruce is trying to convince him that he's under her spell and he's been poisoned uh-huh. and he's arguing with her. And there's just a great moment where he's just like, no, you've been poisoned, Dick. And it's just, I don't know, it's, <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. It's another like funny moment in it because he's, he's calling him Dick because his name is Dick Grayson, but the delivery of the line is... <laughs> clear that he means it both ways
1: right and and it's very tough to pull off a name that we don't use anymore because of its particular connotation and so that sort of plays into the cheesiness of it as well right like you in what in what world are you constantly referring to someone as dick as dick yeah now contemporarily right right so yeah terrible movie just just terrible
0: so I think that dick joke will be the perfect place to end on our part two of our continuing exploration of adaptations of
1: Batman. If you enjoyed what you listened to, and we really hope you did, you can find us online at several different places. One of which is Patreon, where you can help support our costs, which are quite minimal, but we do. We would appreciate the help. You can find us on Patreon.com SourceWall. And then you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook as Wall Geek.